the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Getting to retirement's really the name of the game for this show. I don't want to like mislead you and say like um, I don't have daddy issues and part of the Part of the show is like me figuring out how to help people because dad told me I'd be a big dummy kind of thing. He didn't ever actually say that, but it was pretty close. Um, money is, is scary for a lot of people, and we're not really taught it terribly well in high school. Getting better. We're not really you know, understanding it. Like for instance right now, um, they're saying millennials are going to Apple now to do their banking. They're going to apps now to do their investing. It, it helps save money, and, and you don't have to talk to a, a as I refer to them, a douchebag in a suit. Um, and I agree with that. I, that's one of the areas where I saw a problem and I thought I could fix it. So that's one of the reasons I got into financial planning and one of the reasons I got into investing was I had a friend out of college who uh, worked at Smith Barney, and he was the dumbest piece of rocks. He would go to like a Rush concert and like he'd move his arms and like 360 circle for like three hours and trashed in the parking lot and vomiting afterwards. And he's like, so do you want to buy a mutual fund? And I'm like, there's a, I'm getting some conflicting things here. Um, and I think that's one of the, a major drawback that people have. So I got an email from someone I used to be associated with who worked in financial. He would actually operate the camera at Yahoo and we did financial media together. And he wants to work together because he knows that I have a big audience. He knows that I have, you know, big reach. And he's an insurance guy. So um, he really wants to He ask me about some of the insurance products. And he really wants to show off how great they are. Um, he goes, I'm curious your thoughts in indexed universal life policies. And I'm like, you know what? My thoughts are that most people don't need permanent life insurance. Permanent life insurance means it's with you your whole life. Most of us don't need 20 years. You have a baby. You have the responsibility to raise that baby from zero to 20. So you need 20-year life insurance. You have a wife who made that baby with you. You have a responsibility to, like, if she's going to stay at home, to replace your income in case you get hit by a car. Last Friday, I saw a woman hit by a trash truck. No, no, I saw the aftermath of a woman hit by a trash truck. Her head was one place. Her arms was another place. Her legs were another place. Sometimes you get hit by trash trucks, and it's not a good ending. And if someone needed her income, I hope they had term life insurance and not whole life insurance. When my grandmother died a couple years ago, no one needed her money at 92. Her children and her children's children all went on to do fine. There was no one that was directly... Grandma wasn't raising an eight-year-old baby. I had a baby when I was 84 years old. Like, no. So you don't need, most people don't need permanent life insurance. You need temporary, term. Most people live till they're 75. They don't die needing money. And I don't know one fiduciary, one financial planner who uses indexed universal life policies for themselves. Not one. 
And that tells you something. We use the best of the product, best product in the world for ourselves. So he goes, okay, on the IUL, international, not international, index universal life policies, he goes, here's why I like them. I've already told you I didn't like them. Quit trying to convince me. You're an insurance guy. He goes, we index the S&P 500. I like the 0% floor and 14% cap and the tax-free income from growth. Tax-free income from growth. I'm a sucker for a guarantee of no loss of invested principal and likewise okay with a 14% cap in exchange for the 0% floor. I've got a 24-year-old client with a $150 monthly investment commitment. This buys her $250,000, no medical, uh, 250K of no medical indexed universal life. And at age 67, she'll start taking approximately $78,000 per year in tax-free retirement. That's not a good deal. It's an awful deal. She'd be worth millions of dollars, millions of dollars, and she could take out a lot more than that in retirement. So he doesn't know what he's doing. First and foremost, why does a 24-year-old person have life insurance till they're 60? Why? Till they're 70, till they're 80? We're living to 80 years old. So you're going to have a client for 60 years, you scumbag? Like, why don't you tell me the truth? Don't try to gloss it over where you're going to be getting a commission every single payment that she has. She would be better to have no life insurance until she has someone that needs her, her income, whether it's a baby or a husband or what have you. But let's go further into the math here. A major drawback to index universal life policies that most buyers of policies are not aware of is that the dividends from the index, the S&P 500, do not get credited to the policy. So when you say the policy has a 14% cap, that's without any dividends. Between 2005 and, uh, uh, January 2005 and December 2014, dividends accounted for 34% of the total return of the S&P 500. So you just got her growth and you just basically clipped it. 34%, you jerk, you fool, you monkey. And you don't even know this because you're just an insurance guy and you're selling what your company's telling you to sell. In an index universal life policy, the buyer does not get to participate in that growth, that 34% extra, that one-third extra. Internal cost and mortality charges are assessed and not guaranteed. So where's your guarantee, your 0% downside? Where's your guarantee that she's going to have that $76,000? You're an idiot. You're a fool. You know nothing. Internal administration fees help the insurance company to run its operations, and they may choose to adjust these costs as the expense of doing business increases at any time during the life of the policy. Thus, there's nothing guaranteed. As she ages, the policy will get more expensive. More mortality charges are removed from the cash value or paid by premiums. In universal life policies, these pay for annually increasing term insurance costs, and the cost for one-year term can change at any time. So the insurance company is buying term life with her money to cover her. Why doesn't she just buy term life and kick out the insurance company? Kick you out is what she should do. Over time, these costs add up and place a significant drag on the portfolio. For a 24-year-old who needs insurance, I'd recommend a term policy for the time of period that she needs to be covered. Keep in mind, until married or with kids, oftentimes insurance is not needed. She can get this term coverage for a much cheaper cost than the index universal life. Much cheaper cost and invest the difference. That's why I hate some of the professionals. Insurance people shouldn't sell investment products. They don't know what they're doing. And this guy's hurting someone significantly. He is financially retarding her growth. Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoneStars.com. Hi, Rob. How do you think I feel about this guy? And he was just innocently trying to be my friend and get business from me. I've never seen you stand up in the studio. Did I stand up? Yeah, you were standing up with your arms just kind of flailing around. How many juice? A little caffeine in there, maybe? No, I like the naked juices. The red machine, very healthy. Anyway, um, we're talking, we've talked before about, like, don't go into a bank to get a mortgage loan. Don't go to an insurance guy who's going to be getting a check commission from her for 40 years. He'd even mentioned that he's charging her 6 to 9% in, in costs. So, and then she, she's throwing away a third of her growth. So Yeah, that blows my mind. I'm looking at the number there. That yeah. You're losing 30% plus in the dividends over a period of time. Most of what I buy now is just dividends. Cause, and a 24-year-old I mean, doesn't – they can have the, they have the yeah. time to recover. Look, we're at all-time highs on the market. Usually, 7 out of 10 years. So the, the risk we, is – We is run into things like this in the mortgage industry too, Rob. I know. 
And we'll talk about that a little later in the show. 800-516-1220. You can get your calls in the air. 800-516-1220. You can email me, rob at robblack.com. Next segment, I'm doing a giveaway. Call the show. Um, Sabercat tickets. Family of four coming up in July. Um, find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, women investors are different than male investors. Uh, women, I guess male and female, or women and men, uh, is probably a better way of putting it. And women seem to take a lot fewer chances. And... That's unfortunate because we're using the word chance versus women tend to expose their portfolios to less growth because they look at growth as chancy. That's not what you want to do. Um, women live longer than men. We are in an age where everything seems to get, be getting more expensive, right? Although our general inflation numbers don't say so. I can tell you my food bill has gone up in the last five years. I can tell you, you know, the rents that I'm seeing have gone up in the last five years. I can tell you the cost of cars have gone up and maybe the cost of cars has gone down, but you're also getting a seven year more, uh, seven year loan on a car. When you used to get a six years, the monthly cost may have gone down, but it's going on for longer until it's free and clear under you. So women have to know that they need to save at least a little bit more than men, maybe even up to a lot more. So, you know, uh, my mom now is in a home and she is that said woman. And, you know, my dad and her saved money and my dad was in the military. So she, they both got a pretty nice pension when he died. She, you know, continues to collect it. Um, 10, 20 years later, you know, she's now in poor health. So her healthcare costs have skyrocketed. Uh, I get a bill each month from her living assistant uh, facility, and it's sixty five hundred bucks a month. Um, some of the charges are taken off because of you know Medicare cost uh, reimbursements, because uh, you know you live in a senior li- living assistant place. They you know they give you medicines. <laughs> you know they go to the pharmacy for you, but it ain't cheap. Um, and I expect that cost to go up next year. I expect the facility to say, you know, look, we're, we have to hire people. We have to train them. Every now and then, like, you'll hear, like, something horrible happening in a, a center. So I got to get a psychologist or they have to get security. So women, you have to save more than men. Bring in Tony Mendez, Bay Area Loan Source. Your scenario. Um, do you see women? Uh, a, you typically see young couples come, or you, you typically see couples come in. But you, sometimes you'll probably be like the male is more qualified than the female. He has the job; she's the stay-at-home mother. Um, sometimes, like you can't put someone on the report because she's got bad credit or he's got bad credit. I've seen I've seen it all directions. Yeah, uh, and it's not sex. Uh, it has nothing to do with sex or or anything. what I what I find is I I find more women calling and getting information and then. Um, Having to convince the, you know their husband to do a transaction or something like that. Uh, just recently, I ran into a transaction where there is no doubt, 100%, that these people need to refinance, and there's a massive benefit, but the husband doesn't want to do it. So I've been talking with the wife, and he won't talk to me. So it's that's the kind of relationship that I, I get sometimes, but most of the time it's it's really a joint effort, uh, especially when buying a house. You, your people are sitting down in front of you, and you know they're both asking the right questions, and it, it really doesn't have any. Uh, or orientation one way or the other, Rob. I heard something kind of funny. Um, 
was talking to Mark Dan, and uh, I do TV with him on a regular basis. And uh, we're talking about, you know, making financial decisions and making decisions. Um, as, you know, when you're married, how difficult it can be and what that actually ultimately looks like. Uh, he has a response to his wife like, you bet. It's like if his kid gets hurt and may not does not need to go to the hospital, emergency room, but she wants to take him to the emergency room, she'll say, so, you know, what do you think? Do you think the cut needs the emergency room? He goes, you bet. Um, hey, so you think we could afford going to Hawaii this year? You bet. It's kind of a non-answer. Which is pretty funny because uh, he said she came to him one day and he, uh, she's like, when you say you bet, you're basically saying, screw you, F you, right? And I'm like, you bet. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, I love hearing about other people's marital issues because uh, it's just fun. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Um, as far as affordability, are you seeing that couples in the last three or four years as a mortgage lender, um, are you seeing couples are coming to the table with like more income, more money down? I've, uh, I've definitely seen more money down. How about income? Income levels are, are pretty steady. Uh, the, the the dual income in the Bay Area, and that's easily over a hundred thousand dollars, qualifies most people for what the loans they're looking for. Um, How I, much dual income? I'm, t- I'm talking easily over a hundred thousand. Okay. For a dual income, we were talking uh, for the median home price in in pretty much any county here in the Bay Area, and let's just say that's a, with twenty percent down, you're at a six hundred thousand dollar loan. You, you don't have to make but about $140,000. So dual income is uh, quite reasonable for a couple to come in, and as long as they get the 20% down. The, what, what they're running across, the issues that they're, they're running across are getting their offers accepted because they are getting a loan. And there's other couples out there that have more money down or they have better credit score or they, they can do a shorter escrow period. It, it, one way or the other, they're, you know, they're having struggles with the, you know, getting a loan. So that's why we've been recommending everybody go to what they call a conditional approval, going one step further than a pre-approval and actually getting their loan submitted, underwritten, and all they have to do is fill in an address and they can present that to a, a seller. And, and they can go, oh, shorter escrow period. Uh, all I have to do is put an address and I'm approved. Uh, and realtors are starting to ask for these now as well. So yeah. it's a different market. Um, but that, you know, I haven't seen, I've seen people be more aggressive if, if, as opposed to more incomes and more down payment. You were just talking about a husband wife where the wife wants to refine and the husband doesn't. Yeah. Um, there's a couple in my neighborhood that it's the same exact thing, that he is the one who's afraid to take chances financially, and she's the one who wants to take money out of the house and not put it in the stock market, but consider getting a rental um, that cash flows. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, so you, you reminded me of a, of a client that I'm, I'm working with right now who uh, he's doing the transaction by himself, which you can do in California. You just have to do what they call a quick claim deed or uh, interspousal deed to remove the spouse, uh, which is very common. Uh, so I get this. We have one piece of paper that we need to get from the wife. So I get this phone call. And he goes, We're, you're doing a refinance? Are they taking, is he taking any money out of the house? So it, 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 he was doing this transaction without her even knowing, Okay. which was – Interesting to say. So that happens as well. My dad did taxes, and he'd just say, here, sign them. My mom had no clue for 30 years what was going on. That's kind of what I felt like in this transaction. Anyway, coming up, I'm going to be speaking with John Simons from the International Business Times. We're going to be talking about the shared economy. Ford launching a peer-to-peer car program. Homeownership's down to a 20-year low. And Taylor Swift and Apple. Taylor Swift is in my world every day, it seems like. We'll take a break. We'll be right back with John Simons.
I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more. Joining me now, John Simons, business editor for the International Business Times. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Um, interesting piece that the International Business Times has recently put together, the IB Times. It's a great site, great content. People can go to ibtimes.com right now. Um, about the shared economy, and this, this, we're talking more and more about this in my financial media, and it's all tied towards the millennials. That's right. What do you bring to the table on this story? I mean, what's interesting is we've heard about the, the shared economy, and this week we have three sort of really um, uh, pivotal news items that, that point to the, um, the rise of the shared economy. So we had Taylor Swift's showdown with Apple, which is all about streaming rights. It's all about the, the idea that millennials and, um, and music buyers no longer want to actually own their songs. They want to stream this music and, and essentially rent it and pay a monthly fee. Um, home ownership, as you've probably noted on your show this week, fell to a 20-year low. And at the same time, Ford Motor Company um, came out with this pilot program where they're allowing people to finance the purchase of a vehicle and, and at the same time rent out that vehicle when they're not using it to other people to lower the cost of, of financing the car. That, that all points to um, companies uh, starting to pay attention to this sharing economy, and we all know it exists. What, what we brought to the table this week is um, uh, a look at what's behind this, this trend, what's driving it. And millennials are, you know, a heavily indebted generation. They're coming out, um, many, many young people are coming out of college with, with a lot of debt. And what's driving this is, you know, economic concerns, financial concerns. Let's start with, uh, let's break down a couple of these. First and foremost, I think the Taylor Swift thing, and this, mm-hmm. I got a conspiracy theory here. Okay. I think it was all manufactured. I don't think she's as smart as she beat Apple. She beat the music industry. Mm-hmm. I think she quit Spotify a couple months ago. Apple asked her to do it. They said, we'll make this big hullabaloo about your album 1989. We'll say that we're not paying artists, even though Spotify pays artists during free periods, even though Pandora pays artists during free periods. Um, and then out of nowhere, she says, we deserve to be paid. And Apple's like, yeah, you're right. Um, and they're going to give her two-tenths of one penny for every stream <laughs> that she gets. I just think it's great press for her. She looks smarter than she is. She looks like Oprah. She's suddenly like a smart businesswoman, not just a singer. You ble- you, you, you with me on this, or are you against me? I, I don't know. I mean, it's great press for her, but it's at Apple's expense, and I... I don't know that Apple would agree to, to something like that. Okay. Um, okay, let's go back to the shared economy and peer-to-peer. Um, the Ford story I find very, very interesting because I could buy more of a car now if I'm going to lease it out or rent it out to people to use maybe for Lyft on weekends. Um, I see the concept. I'm not sure I'm, I'm not a millennial. I don't like the concept. I like having my own stuff. And- I know. That's what's so fascinating about this, this shared economy. Um, Ford did some research, and they found that a third of millennials are willing to rent out their belongings in order to lower the cost of, of ownership. And that's, that's really interesting. And we're talking about, you know, Ford's research went into more than just cars. It's cars and apartments and, and you know, and other things. So clearly, millennials have a different way of thinking about ownership. But, you know, what we found is that they're, they're forced to think this way. It's not that they're, you know, they're forging this new, okay. these, these new ideas. And, um, you know, this is, this is all out of financial necessity. What's, what's really interesting about the Ford program is that, this isn't going to really generate more sales for, for Ford. In fact, it, it probably you know will generate fewer sales because people, instead of buying a, a new Ford, will will say, okay, I can I can rent the uh, the guys you know a guy who bought a Ford down the street. I can rent that one. Um, what it does do is it puts more people in Fords and it gets more people driving Fords and eventually. 
I guess Ford hopes that that people will uh, will buy a Ford because they had a great experience in one. The millennials are fascinating because obviously they have all the purchasing power, or not all the purchasing power, a strong portion of the purchasing power right now. And I've always wanted a vacation home. They don't want a vacation home. They want 10 vacation homes. They want to use Airbnb and go to 10 different locations. And I'm like, oh, I think they're smarter than me. Because I wanted a place in Tahoe, but then you're like, oh, Tahoe gets, there's no snow this year. There's no snow this year. And uh, I think the millennials are onto something, even though they're doing it out of necessity, you say, with cash. I think it's just a nice evolution of, of lifestyle. Yeah. And, you know, what initially when people looked at some of these trends, you know, realtors and people who look at broad economic trends were were worried you know, what does this mean if a, an entire generation is not interested in home ownership? Could it mean that, that you know, we'll see less home buying and less purchasing of durable goods that go into homes, these things that drive the economy, refrigerators and, you know, big furniture purchases and washing machines and so on. Those those things really drive the economy and, and economists and, you know, the Fed and everyone else sort of counts on those things, those purchases happening in big numbers um, uh, year after year after year. It's interesting. Um, but what but what we found in in our research is that millennials are interested in buying those things, and you know when when they reach probably a later age, just like the the age where people get married, um, you know is 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 going up and up and up. Um, probably the the prime age for home ownership is is also raising. But the the you know the the sort of silver lining here for for economists is that millennials really do want these these things. It's just that they they may have to put them off for a while until they you know until after they pay off some of their their college debt. Yeah, it's interesting because I didn't really think of it from your angle of. Uh, goods that go into a home. I've got two millennial friends, and I quiz them all the time. And one of them is living basically in a closet with a bed in it in San Francisco. And her neighbor pays $4,000 for the same exact 400-square-foot apartment where she's paying 1000 because of rent control. But wow. I would never, ever dream of that. Um, and yet they're good with it because then they get to go out and party in San Francisco, which is lovely and nice and such. And the other millennial friend in her refrigerator was only alcohol. She only buys fresh food. <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding? And she's like, and she was annoying to hang out with because she had to ask the waiters, is the orange juice fresh squeezed? Is the orange juice fresh squeezed? And he goes, no, yes, it's fresh. And he goes, Did, was it the real orange? And she's like, I don't know. Uh, millennials are onto something because I think they're going to live a lot longer than us. Um, anything else in the story that's worth extracting? Well, no, I think I think what you know what we really tried to bring to the table here is kind of a sober, um, balanced look at at what is driving this trend. And, and I think before a lot of people were sort of huffing and puffing about the fact that that this trend exists and what does it mean and and oh no, is this going to you know change the world in some significant way? Um, and 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 I think that companies and economists should pay attention to this trend because there are opportunities for companies to to create new services and new products that appeal to this generation while they're in this mode of not making big purchases and participating in the sharing economy. But eventually, based on what what our reporter Owen Davis found, is that you know, millennials, when they reach a later later age, they do have these aspirations to to purchase a home, and that's that's really important. Um, so this this rentership society, the sort of the end of ownership, is is maybe a temporary thing with with this generation. Thanks very much for joining me today. It's John Simons, business editor for International Business Times, talking about the end of ownership. Um, it's not set in stone, and as the millennials get a little older, and the biological clock ticks, and they make a baby, they get married, they move into a, a home, 
because they can no longer stay in the apartment with a baby crying. No one can get any sleep. They move into a home. They will eventually, in theory, expand out of home ownership or into home ownership from uh, the rental economy. But there are some fascinating things. Like, um, you know, I have a millennial friend in San Francisco, and she's like, she doesn't have a car. She doesn't want a car. She takes a lift or she buses to uh, Caltrain to get to work. Um, she doesn't have to pay insurance on a car. Um, she doesn't get the car dinged or nicked up um, in San Francisco, which happens. Uh, you just can't possibly live there without it. So it, it, it's interesting to watch. And again, it's, co- it's being born out of college debt and a tough economy, a recession that hit you know, in 2006, 2007, 2008 um, that sapped a lot of jobs. People moved home. They saw their mom and dad struggle with the stock market. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. I kind of wish I could have got him over on my Taylor Swift argument, but he wasn't buying. Anyway, um, we'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. 800-516-1220 to get your call on the air. 800-516-1220. Typically on Fridays, typically I like to talk um, some strategy. You know, we don't have to do the headline news or the market numbers. Um, one of the things I like to do is, is show, you know, The Wizard of Oz the man behind the curtain. I try to be as honest with you about myself as I can. I don't think that's a totally true statement because there's some things I'm not going to tell anyone, right? But uh, when it comes to working with investing professionals, you know, I, I told you the story about the insurance guy who he was, he badly wants to be my friend because I could send him a lot of business. And he was bragging and touting a piece of crap product. He just doesn't know. It doesn't make him a bad person. It just makes him an ignorant person when it comes to product. I want to bring in Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com, and just I want to keep showing people that your best friend in investing is going to be you. It's not going to be. It could be me, but you have to buy me a beer. Buy me a beer, and I'll, I'll sit there and talk finances with you. Mm, beers. Get me a couple beers, and I'll tell you the secret of the universe. Tony, you've worked with uh, your mortgage lender. I actually brought you out to California because I knew you back from the East Coast. I was like, I need someone who's honest, who I can trust, who works hard and gets the job done. Um, when I came into the Bay Area financial media, I used to do a national show, and I, I, I basically whittled it down to one. I just wanted one good market because when you do a national show, you have to do it with 60 different radio stations and 60 different general managers, and some of the audiences, they're like like two below Mississippi, they're like, what's an iPhone kind of thing? And you're like, the guy in Arkansas, the, the, the dentist, greatest job in the world being a dentist in Arkansas. Yeah, that isn't. All you have but, to do to be a dentist in Arkansas is clean one tooth. Yeah, that wouldn't go too well there. Have you ever seen a person with just like one center tooth? Good luck. Anyway, back to you. Um, I brought you out here because a lot of the people... You know, I was giving advice, and people were like, do you know a mortgage lender? And I'm like, well, I know these guys out at Diablo, and they're nice guys, and I've met them a couple times. And Then they would do a loan, and then they'd go to Hawaii, smoke a lot of pot, come back, do two or three loans. And it, doing loans in 2000, 
It was like shooting fish. It, in a, it was like shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense until I actually came out here and started working in the industry. Uh, some of the stories you were telling me, you know, two three years before, uh, you know, going back in the early two thousands, um, and that was the run up in real estate. Uh, part of the reason why we saw real estate prices go up so high and then take a big fall was because of a lot of the shoddy products that were being sold by these types of, of people. Uh, a lot of them weren't even licensed. They were working under people, and I know this firsthand. Uh, my first mentor in the business was also had some other side businesses on, you know, going on with these unlicensed agents, and they were basically going out and recruiting um, minorities and uh, pooling, you know, saying, hey, you can buy a house, but you need to get like two or three other people together, and sometimes more. Uh, we're going to make up some incomes, and we're going to, you know, get you on a one loan application, and you'll qualify for this starter rate program. And oh, and home values go up, and you'll be fine down the road, and you just refinance it. Without mentioning his name, he's the guy who was married. I'm not mentioning real, his name. To, he was married to the real pretty girl. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I know who you're talking about. Um. And again, when you meet him, you you assume that he's legit. He was, you know, suit and tie, talked the talk, walked the walk. Got, you know, did the transaction, you know, straight through. But ultimately, what was what was happening is that lenders were coming to people like him and saying. Hey, we got this great product. You know, here's how you can make two points on the front and two points on the back. What that means is the two points on the front, you don't really care about because you're getting a great loan. You're getting the loan. It's right. 90% of something or 0% of nothing. So they're getting the loan. And then two points in the back, which is hidden costs or hidden fees that the, that the loan agent is getting. So on a five dollars $600,000 loan, he's making, you know, 20, 30 grand. That's crazy. And that's what was happening leading up to – was, was pushing these types of people to get yeah. into the industry and, and, and really kind of finesse that. Then Wall, Wall Street would buy those loans and repackage them, and that ultimately led to the real estate Right, and these people ultimately didn't qualify, yeah. and they would default. Yeah. And, and, and more often, they would – because to, the home prices would To put it in terms, he would do a loan for someone that didn't qualify. Yes. And he would just basically juggle enough of the information, financially engineer enough of it. Yeah, that finesse. Yeah, he, yeah. he just knew how to work the system and, and get the loan. Well, it wasn't you know just that. It was the lenders coming in and literally representatives from the lender were coming in and with st there were stacks of file on the desk. He goes, oh, I do that one. I do that one. I do that one. And he'd, he'd have a stack this high, you know, a couple feet high. What's interesting about him is, and this is something I hate about people. If you tell me that you've been to a business coach or if you've gone to a motivational speaker at the SAP Center, um, I, I basically hate that person. I, I write them off as dead to me. Like, yeah, I went to the Success Now Tour with Jeremy Robbins or Tim Robbins and, like, anyone that goes to those, dead to me. I, I Honestly, if I could be totally in love with a woman, totally in love with a woman if she's like, yeah, Robert Kiyosaki is my mentor. Like, I don't even like the word mentor. I'm like, you're dead to me. Um, but, it, like, if you go to an arena to hear someone come out on stage and tell you that you got to believe in yourself and, you know, at one point in time, I didn't know what I was going to do. And then I, I ultimately said, I can do this. So every morning when I wake up, I say, I can do this. That's, he, that guy was one of them. Yeah. The, the, the industry, though, was set up for those types of people. Um, the industry, you're saying the lending I'm, industry? I'm talking about the lending industry leading up to okay. you know, around 2005, 6, and 7, when uh, people from the furniture business, car sales, everything were, were coming in, and it was really high high expectations, high pressure to, to do the sales. And there was, But what was attractive was there was a, tons and tons of, of products that were available to uh, to sell. I mean, there were so many different products. that fit. Oh, if you don't fit here, you'll fit here. You know, you once introduced me to someone that it was in the industry, um, and I didn't like him because he had food stains on his shirt. Um, just instantly to me, I, like I don't—you don't have to wear a suit and tie. Shirt and nice pants, shirt and nice jeans is fine by me. But he had food stains on his first impression with me. Um, he's from a foreign country. Okay. He's trying to figure out who it is. I, I know who it is. We yeah. met at uh, Jack London. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, he he was uh, a little bit different. Um, <laughs> a little bit different, and and a little bit different is like. And you and, and what's interesting, you know, I've I've been fortunate to work with several different people over the years, and and kind of get, take what I want. It's kind of like an AA meeting. You, you're taking what you want out of every meeting. Um, not that I've been there, 
Um, but ha- if you had, there's no problem with that either. No, no, no. no. It's a uh, wonderful but, organization that <laughs> helps a lot of people. I, I go to AAA meetings. That's the dun dun. Yeah. Um, and he, 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 was, he, he didn't let any of his loan officers charge less than two points. So, you know, I'm working with this, this guy, and, and he's saying that the, uh, the industry really demands this. You're putting so much work into this. You're getting a client. You deserve, you know, two points. And you know, back then, you were able to change your commissions. Nowadays, you can't change your commissions. Okay. Um, and back then, but you, you could, and it was, it was easy. You just say, oh, I'm going to charge you a half a point. And, and in, in reality, that makes more sense for somebody who's getting a six $700,000 loan than it is for somebody who's getting a $200,000 loan. You really want to keep your incomes the same. And what they've done uh, uh, nowadays is they take your average loan amount, and then they say, well, how much have you made over the last five years? And they say, okay, this is what your, your commission should be, yeah. okay, no matter if the loan's a million dollars or $100,000. So everybody's the same nowadays. Back then, though, you could change it, and, and it, it really created a lot of friction between the, all of the loan officers and the manager, and it just it, it didn't work. That, that was not a long So what I want people to take out of this is one of the people that you kind of worked with, um, on the outside, he looked like a normal guy. Yep. You know, his answering machine message was like, I only take phone calls from one to three. I'm doing your loans, and I'm, I'm on it. I, your team, me. Um, and he was just, you know putting people in an inappropriate way. He was making up, he, he was part of the liar loans. Yeah. He was making up information for you to get you that loan that ultimately you probably got foreclosed on. Um, and then now you're telling me there's, you know, another facet to it where, you know, some people who aren't really, they're motivated by like, uh, we'll make whatever work, we'll fit you in. Um, it, it's, it's, it's disconcerting because I think a lot of us, I don't have the energy to rip people off. I don't. Um, I'm, and I'm also not stupid, so before I say anything, I'm, I'm going to think about it. And yeah, I've made a couple mistakes. But see, what, what you said was ripping off. For the, the, the way that the industry was set up yeah. and the guidelines and the way that commissions were, were set up and the rebates and the, the, the back-end points and everything, it wasn't illegal. Not it, illegal. It wasn't illegal, yeah. but, but, but it wasn't ethical is what it was. Right. And and now there are ethical guidelines set up and they're a little bit pushed to the limits. I think they're a little bit overregulated, but uh, it really does. Uh, all those people are gone, hopefully out of the business. Um, it, there was a, just a flood of people into the business and the flood of people back out. And hopefully what's left over is a high quality um, you know, pool of, of good professionals. I'd like to say that. I'd like to hope that. Well, what stinks is again, I, I don't think you or I have that. It just takes so much energy to like to go outside your ethics it just takes so much energy and I can't live with myself when I do there was a couple times when I was trying to you know, get my game on with a woman where I was like yeah I'm senior vice president at Apple that never happened but it takes so much energy anyhow with that being said uh, pick up the phone give us a call 800-516-1220 it's 800-516-1220 you can find Tony he does loans, he gets them done, and he's pretty darn ethical. You can find him, email him, Tony, at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Black talking with Tony Mendez, Bay Area Loan Source. He just told me that one of the, one person that he worked with side by side um, used to notarize his own loans, and then he would lose his notary book every year because it's very, very, very illegal to do that. Um, but there's a lot, just a lot of shady stuff, right? Yeah. And it's 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 in every industry. It's not you know in the food industry. You know, it's, it's Whole Foods just got charged with overcharging people. Um, so it's in every single industry, and I don't want to make ours look bad, but you sell a financial product, a mortgage, that literally has created a lot of wealth for people because they've had a lot of access to $600,000 where, you know, 
they get some equity in their home. They, they have a low-cost fixed payment. They're paying themselves rent. And there's, there's bad people. Tax in, write-offs. Tax write-offs. Yeah, it keeps going on and on. Um, and it's unfortunate because it's, it's a product that's really meant to help people. And uh, I try to get people to retirement, and it stinks because there's some people in my industry that I would punch in the face. It's unfortunate. That but I've never, never. I've punched one person. I, was, I boxed once in my life. What was it? In college. You and I had a little boxing match once, didn't we? No, that's you're thinking of something else. <laughs> so I boxed in college. A really overweight dude. It was a dormitory thing. Uh, our dormitory had boxing matches every year. Um, but that's not here. Yeah, there. so it's it's unfortunate that the industry went through that type of transition. Um, and for me, it was a shock when I got here. It, it was it wasn't what I was used to. I've been in financing, you know, five six years prior to that, and dealt with people's credit and we were working, you know, good deals and helping people improve their credit. And then it was all about what we, you know, what anybody could, you know, what's the, the little way we can sneak you in and make it work. And it doesn't happen to, today anymore. To be a financial planner, you have to have a high a college degree to sell insurance. You have to have nothing. And in my industry, that's where it gets into trouble because you can be selling insurance that is an investment but I only work with financial planners because you have to have a college degree. Then you have to get certified through a three-part test that has a high fail rate. And part of that test is ethics. Um, you sign something that makes you a fiduciary, which means if you rip someone off, you can go to jail. Um, there's one guy who's an insurance guy who sounds like a financial guy, but he's monitored by FINRA. And uh, he's been fined two or three times millions and millions of dollars. And he's a familiar voice. Um, and people just don't know. So that's someone you shouldn't trust, but because it's, you know he pays his fines into the back office, uh, you don't know. So I, I think to boil this segment down, you have to be careful who you work with, and you have to understand like a college degree doesn't mean much, but it means you got through a four-year program on time. You paid attention to what the teacher and professors wanted you to do. Uh, you weren't such a mess up that you couldn't get through. You got through. Um, and to be a broker, like, there's some financial services companies, LPL Financial and Ameriprise. Ameriprise used to be connected to American Express. I won't work with anyone from them. If someone call, emails me, I'm like, ha, 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 you work there? <laughs> I guess you showed up one day with a pulse. And they're like, you're hired. Let me check your pulse. It's sad. Um, there's one guy who, it was so funny. He, he's like, hey. I'm like you. I'm in the financial industry. I, I work for LPL Financial. I'm like, you're not like me. And then I'm like, turn the internal editor on. And I'm like, there's no chance you're like me. The internal editor's stuck on off. Um, but yeah, there's some, you don't have to have any skill set sometime. And that's kind of scary because um, people deserve better. Um, you know, if you're dating someone and you're hurting them because like, you know, you're not going to marry them and they think they're going to marry you end it you know don't hurt people um people are good people deserve the truth people don't hurt people anyway um any other good crazy boss stories crazy loan stories oh you know i i think one of the interesting part working with friends um i i know you you mentioned that in the past doing transactions um you know we've done transactions together mm -hmm. and, and they've been very successful and i've worked with friends you feel a lot of pressure though um, more than more so than you're with a you know somebody comes. I've yelled at you during that transaction. You have, um, oh. and and you saw how it, how frustrating it was. Yeah. Um, you know it's difficult when you have that that relationship, that friend relationship, it to continue staying professional and 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 you got emotional. Uh, imagine how other clients feel. You know that's why we have to stay extremely professional on every single transaction. We're trying to make it easier. What I mean, we we mean the industry, um, paperless. We're trying to do disclosures, you know, through emails and making easy signings, electronic signings, and and so on to to cut back on a little bit of the frustrations. But it's still going to be there. And um, but working with friends can be difficult. I mean, the transaction we did, uh, I did the last one I did with a friend. Uh, you know, I just felt that pressure. I just, it, it didn't feel, I'm not saying, you know, if you're one of my friends not to contact me, it's just, it's, it's an uncomfortable feeling. It's a lot of pressure. Like, I can even give you another example. Um, 
and I just want you to do it. Like you, you're like, Rob, I'm following the rules. I'm supposed to disclose to you. I'm like, I, I don't care. Just go. Like and like, yeah. I'm busy, and like that's where I get frustrated. But um, my family has hired your brother to help sell my mom's home. Yep. And I talked to your brother on the phone, and I because he's back in Virginia, and he's a real estate guy. And uh, I said, whatever you do, just know like, don't rush this. We're in no rush. And you know, he rushed it, and my brother Dave bit his head off. Um, it's difficult, even when you're told like. Don't rush it. Like, working with people that you know. And in the end, uh, I was like, Dave, I don't care if you burn a bridge. It's no big deal to me. Like, which he didn't. He ended up. Which he did. I, yeah, I, I know. Yeah. So, But it, yeah, everyone got sensitive, is what I'm saying. Yeah. You don't want that. So you're, do you do a show here? When is it? Thursday night, 6 o'clock. Thursday night, 6 o'clock. It was on Real Estate Report. It was on last night. Real Estate Report. There's no T in report. So that should be your plug. Other than, instead of saying, I get loans done. I get loans done. You can find Tony. I got Tony, rid of that commercial. Good. Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can find me at RobBlack.com. Twitter me, Rob Black Show. YouTube me, Rob Black Show. Um, check out Chad's great New Focus Financial webpage, NewFocusFinancial.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.